keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome everybody to the first annual Wrestle Roasts Awards. We've had a couple total F and Marks Awards, but now we're bringing it to the Wrestle Roasts format. It's the same fucking thing. I'm here with Mike, Robert, Scott's going to be on in a little bit. How was your Christmas, Mike? My Christmas was, you know, it was all right. Uh, you know, wife, uh, had to do a surgery, but she's recovering now. We're at home. Yeah, she's doing better. Yeah, we got to go home. I okay. So for you know, I know everybody does die hard for Christmas, and and I, I've seen it a lot. So I was like, you know what? You know what? I've never seen, and, and you've mentioned it to me. Other people have Commando. So I oh, watched great. Commando for Christmas. That movie fucking rule. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's um, it is the Simpsons. Arnold Schwarzenegger character. Yeah, it's Rainier Wolfcastle. And it, it's funny. It's a Rainier because, Wolfcastle movie. Yeah, it's, it's got all the cliches. It's got the puns. And it, it's interesting because, like, Arnold, like, it feels like he learned English from a bad joke book. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. A, it's mostly a comedy. Yes. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is that, like, they, he, the character of John Matrix fucking awesome name that is you know he talks about um like growing up in east germany which is like so it's like back then they were still like i guess we gotta have like some explanation for why he talks like this and then they just gave that shit up like <laughs> <laughs> and he has he probably has such a weird accent now that's like americanized where even his countrymen don't recognize it but hey shout out to schwarzenegger he just donated like 50 tiny homes to homeless veterans so nice well they're regular size homes but next to him they're tiny homes <laughs> adam cole size homes it, it, it's funny it's funny he's done more for veterans than the government <laughs> scott what scott what did you get for christmas get any wrestling shit oh yeah i mean one but it's well actually so the kid got me a wwe encyclopedia which is awesome that's you awesome know? yeah it rules it's like Wait, the kid it's, got you robert <laughs> it's like the toy but way more disappointing <laughs> oh, God. can you imagine opening robert up uh, under your christmas tree and he's just <laughs> like fucking just... facts about uh techno team 2000 when you're trying to enjoy your he's like a teddy ruxpin you like you pull the string and it's like <laughs> Deuce and Domino were champions for 14 days. <laughs> By the way, just you to, to over-highlight how miserable it is, Teddy Ruxman didn't have a string. It had a cassette tape inside of his stomach, and you pushed play. All right, all fucking right. Fucking ignoramus. If, Sorry. If you're, all right, I mean, so you like, press the cassette, and then it tells you all about Festus' win-loss record. It's the, it's the only toy where you pull the string and then directly wrap it around the bear's neck. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, there's another present I got. There's another present I got, which uh, was from Khalees. It was an absolute attack. Uh, So this is the first year I've gotten action figures, like ever as an adult, you know? Uh, And I only got a few, but I got them. And so I opened up one of the boxes and it was Carmella. It was a Carmella. And she just goes, I got you a Barbie. (laughs) 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 And man... Okay, yeah, so, so Scott, as as the action figure expert here, yeah, she was at a Walgreens right before she came home. <laughs> she, I've seen the Carmella. Oh, that's Carmella perfect. any good? Does it look good? Eh, yeah, that's fine. It 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 has more movement. <laughs> Listen to Dan. Uh, would you fuck it? Can <laughs> <laughs> you? Did you drill a hole in it? <laughs> it's funny, no, it, it's got more, uh, you know, articulation than the real one. So. Yes. The good news is if it overheats, it just becomes Dana Brooke. Yeah. Robert, it's, got, it's got less plastic than the real one. Robert, did you get Chinese food? Did you go to the movies? I got Chinese food. I watched Die Hard um, and Love Actually because uh, we do an Alan Rickman Christmas in this household because he's you know, uh, a far more impressive deity this time of year. And then it was my birthday and Ooh, I didn't get action figures. Jesus down a peg. Uh, he, you know, you know, he's, he put him up against Alan Rickman. Which one do you want to hang out with? Uh, let's be, let's be honest here. I think he's uh, Lord. My goodness. And then it's yeah, like, Scott gets cool toys. <laughs> nah, no, Scott gets like cool action figures up for my birthday. I got boat shoes. So I'm officially the oldest man alive. Wow. Wow, you got boat shoes. Holy They're shit. pretty nice. I'm very excited. I really saw the Johnson and Murphy like, box. I'm like, all right. You really are becoming the buzzkill neighbor in every 70s sitcom. It's like <laughs> rapidly approaching. But speaking of rapidly approaching, uh, <laughs> not effortless transitions. No, we're going to be talking about the Wrestle. We're going to be giving out the Wrestle Roast Awards. Um I don't know. I don't know. We're not going to be sending any awards. I made a donation to Mick Foley's charity. Do that. Um, but we're going to start out with a fun one. Uh, guys, I, I'm not going in the order that I gave you them. So I'll start out. I'll start out. So you guys have time to look for the category. But yeah. uh, most improved. And I have Miro with honorable mentions, uh, Brandon Cutler and Seth Rollins. But Miro, you know, I mean, it's been the most entertaining shit. I mean, he, he comes up a lot later for me. It, yeah, man, it's just been it's just been a blast seeing him become this thing after being so lame. Uh, who do you got for most improved, Mike? Dude, I yeah, uh, I had Miro with honorable mentions, uh, Brandon Cutler, and uh, I mean Dante Martin had a great fucking year as just yeah. like for the pure work rate and all of that. Um, but yeah, man, I think Miro, that character last year sucked. He realized it and he was one of the best things on, on uh, television this year. And, and Cutler, like, you know, and Nakazawa, both those guys like got their fucking role. Yeah. Yeah. They were great. It was a great, probably the, I think maybe the best goof in wrestling history. Brandon Cutler. Who knows? That's saying a lot. Oh, he's yeah, he's he's perfect. I also have Miro. This is kind of a, a strange one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the only one. Nobody else improved in any other company because there's no forward or backwards. It's just you know, it exists in a bubble. Uh, yeah, Miro completely shifted gears to the point where 
he he could argue arguably be somebody's best promo of the year uh later on yeah for sure i mean i'm in the same boat as you and robert uh i went with seth rollins uh I, i like what miro did this year i think in terms of presentation of character rollins was finally putting it together after the better part of a decade so that it became having to see Seth Rollins on TV and be like, I don't want to watch this to better promos, more interesting matches. And I think he's finally getting himself to a position where he can be the top heel on Raw again. And it feels like a welcome addition as opposed to, I don't want to sit through, you know, shorter Seamus. So I would say he's my most improved. Least improved. We'll stick it, stay on you, Robert. Oh, wait, I think we all have the same one, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, know. go ahead, Robert. My, my least improved is QT Marshall because you can't Whoa. improve greatness. Whoa. <laughs> the guy's already at maximum level. He's final boss. He ain't getting better than that. Le- least improved, QT Marshall. All right, Mike. Christian, your time has come. No, no. Yeah, he was put in a position that he did not deserve and did not um, elevate. Uh, you so, mean doing the cameo for me? Yeah, no, he was great in that. Uh, he, yeah, yeah, but, but he, he should not fucking beat Kevin for you. He had the great match <laughs> at at, at uh, full gear, all out, and yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just he doesn't need to be on my TV. When there's so much more talented people, his promos are still not great. Uh, just for the amount of, of like push that they gave him and coverage that he main evented one of their biggest shows yet, uh, he's, he's got to be there for me. I just don't think that he came to AEW with anything different or special that he didn't have in WWE. All right, Scott. Uh, I think the answer is Nia Jax, right? She got fired, and everybody. I mean, none of these are bad answers. Of, you know, that's an improvement for me, Scott. I don't have to see her every week. <laughs> <laughs> Major upgrade, dude. I think Nia Jax, and I think it's been Nia Jax for maybe five years now, which makes it e- e- mo- even more obviously her. Uh, yeah, she's least improved for sure. All right, because she right. hurt a lot of people this year to the point where her and Charlotte, you know, got in a scuffle. Uh, on air so yeah all right i'm gonna go with cody um especially after reading today cody after winning the title from sammy Guevara, cody's told wrestlestone he's like this this story between me and sammy it's going to places you're not going to expect and i'm like oh you know every time cody has said something like that this year it is just it is it has been a full stop, not in a go-go. So, yeah, I, uh, I definitely have Cody as least improved. Feud of the year. Stick on me. Uh, I got Hangman versus Kenny Omega. Uh, I thought the story was, was told excellently. Uh, it got, you know, it, it, timing-wise, it got a little messed up because, you know, Hangman Page had to leave the company just for a couple months, but I thought it was a great story. Honorable mention, Edge and Seth. And, you know, I have to say that because it's like, it's so much harder in in some ways to do what Edge and Seth did because of how many different chefs there are in the kitchen. The Omega Hangman story is way more complicated and interesting, but like 
for the the amount of creative input that everybody else has, you know, it, it's, it is really impressive that Edge and Seth were able to pull that off. Scott, what do you got for feud of the year? Yeah, Omega Hangman was the feud of the year, no doubt, miles ahead of every other feud, um, to the point where even when they weren't feuding, you they were feuding. That's how good it was. It's just the fact that they were on TV made you think of the other one. And uh, yeah, that was awesome. And it was right. a year of it. Let's say yes, me. Um, I have uh, Dan Lambert versus my need to watch. <laughs> he almost won. <laughs> it's, you know, the thing is, like, I, I, if I do a joke answer, it's usually because, yeah, there is a bit of a sweep. I I think, yeah, Kenny, Kenny and Hangman. Um, I mean, I'm fucking adoring this mjf punk feud but it we don't know where it's going so in terms of a complete story in the year i'll go kenny hangman robert i'm gonna go edge rollins just because it was one of the again rare bright spots in a lot of wwe tv the rollins promo in edge's house i thought was really well done their matches got better and more compelling and i think rollins and edge really stepped it up at the pay-per-view that we choose to acknowledge doesn't exist and you are team WWE for these awards. <laughs> for these you know two. what? It's been fair play so far, but I've noticed. I've noticed, and I've taken notes. <laughs> I've got this plenty of AEW guys. All the other answers, you know? I tell you what, go with me next. What's the next? This category? boy's about to shout out Liv Morgan, dudes. <laughs> I'm not Most, putting someone okay. up from Jersey. <laughs> Most fun to probably party with. I have Randy Orton. I don't think there's another answer. I think all the other answers are it's going to be lame because you're playing video games all night or it's going to be really scary because Jake took you to a fucking abandoned hospital or something. So <laughs> I think the answer, the only answer is Randy Orton. Mike, who do you got? I picked Ethan Page because I do want to play video games all night. I, I have watched his action figure uh, vlogs and he collects all the same shit I do. Um, he seems like a really fun, awesome dude who is in a horrible gimmick right now. Uh, and, and if I hung out with him, maybe I could talk him, uh, out of being in it. Mike had actually the creepiest answer. Mike basically was yeah. like, stop. I'm going to stalk this guy. Yeah. Did you, <laughs> did you picture them under, under covers while he was telling this? Yeah. I'm like, by the way, Ethan, I'm keeping you in the package. <laughs> Mom, yeah. can Ethan sleep over? <laughs> you can do so much better than Scorpio. <laughs> don't, don't hurt that's a good friend though that's a good friend don't, don't hurt yourself ethan i need to keep you mint on card <laughs> <laughs> all right scott what's your answer most fun to party with oh so so, so i have one because i i'm thinking in terms of like easiest accessibility to what is occurring in terms of like it's probably just a simple money transaction and you could have a great night and i'm talking ha hanging out with jim ross I think he knows the places to go. Oh man, what a terrible so choice on this one. You go here's fifty bucks, and you have a you know you have a you have a nice moment. And then you, and then he knows where a good steak place is. What else are you trying to do? Smoke a cigar with Randy Orton until he like threatens to beat you up. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. Jr. is. I mean, that's a little rough. Um, Robert, who do you got as most fun to party with? 
Yeah, JR is great to hang out with if you want to see a stripper that just had a cesarean. <laughs> so I'm good. Um, I, I would. I'm going to go with Orton because dude has his own bus and I, it's pretty well stocked and you don't have to deal with anybody else. So any sort of situation where I get to be antisocial with not having to see people I don't want to see, I'm all for. So I'm going to go with, uh, with, with Randy Orton. And at least we know uh, he has the same level of disdain for a lot of this shit that we do. So uh, at least we'll get along pretty well. The reason, the reason I wouldn't pick Randy Orton is because he's uh, allegedly uh, listened to this podcast. And I don't trust anyone. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe Mike's picking the safe answer. All right. Best referee. I'm going to go Jessica Carr. Uh, she did a great job at the Hell and Cell between Edge and Seth. I'm really kind of getting sick of the AEW referees being characters. And I mean, like they're kind of musical theater acting it at times, which wrestling is musical theater. You know, wrestling is like really great musical theater. Um, can you tell that uh, I've, I've made out with a couple guys? Um what else did I want to say? Uh, none of you, none of you sheeple want to say drink works, you pussies. <laughs> you sheeple want to say drink. Mike, who do you got? I, I got Opry. I mean, she's AW. It's a part of the she. She's the figure that comes with the fucking ring. She just feels like a big part of that company. You see Aubrey in the ring, you know you're watching AEW. So it's Aubrey Edwards for me. Scott. Uh, yeah, either her or Bryce Remsburg, but I got to go Aubrey for the same thing. She is, she's kind of the face. She's really the only referee that seems like a name that is acceptable for you to know everything else. It's like, why do, why would you know that person's name? But Aubrey, it's, they make it a point to, uh, to kind of make her popular and it works. Well, I, thing, I I would say anyone whose name you can't remember would be my favorite. <laughs> and, and it's funny you say that, Dan, because my pick, literally written, is anyone in WWE because I don't pay, I don't notice the referees. They don't give a shit about getting over. It's not. You said I, a bunch of promotions. <laughs> no, it's any referee in WWE. They stay out of the way. They do a fine job. They don't make it about them. Bryce Remsburg is so obsessed with making it about him. His over-the-top acting is insane at how bad it is. I like Aubrey sometimes. Sometimes she gets like the goofy eyeball thing that Damian Priest does. And I don't love that, but I don't, I can't name you outside of there's one referee who's tan and there's one referee who doesn't believe in vaccinations and now he's not there. And that's pretty much all I know from the company. Um, I prefer referees to not be seen or heard or have names. They don't have rights. They're not real people. Uh, including the women ones, uh, Robert Carpola says. Now, I wouldn't have noticed if they were men, women. They could be robots that just count to three. The That's one, Vince's the, dream. The one thing that Aubrey does, like, fucking fantastic, which any, like, great referee does is the throwing uh, someone out. The one, two, you're out of here. She fucking does that amazingly. Dude, it's too much about her, though. That's my thing. Yeah. I think oh, you man. make it too much about her. Leave All her right, alone. Man. I think Dan just misses when Shawn Michaels would referee in hot pants. That's always waiting <laughs> for to see that come back. What an ass. What an ass that guy had. All right. Wrestle crap of the year. This one for me is very easy. Uh, I probably watched the most wrestling out of everyone on that podcast, on this podcast. And that's probably not a great thing. 
so I, I'm going to say the whole fucking egg thing with Austin Theory and Vince and then it turning into what seems like exhibit A in a Sandusky case, you know, it, it's just, it's just such a bizarre wrestle crap delicious. Um, and Vince has had some cringy lines, Austin theory. I mean, the one thing I will say about it is that it's kind of doing its job and that I know who Austin theory is now, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's been my wrestle crap of the year, Scott. Yeah, I actually, dude, I think that's the best thing WWE's done this year. The egg thing and the zombie thing, because at least they're being honest with it. It's like, this is an ad for some bullshit, whereas everything else is might as well be that anyway, you know? It just seems the most transparent. And so I go, oh, this is stupid, but it's allowed to be stupid because it feels like a commercial, as opposed to this is stupid and it's supposed to be wrestling. So what's your wrestle grab of the year? Uh, Karrion Cross, uh, when he came out with the outfit, the red, <laughs> dude, that was so brutal and so defining of whatever this mess of a fucking year WWE was in terms of booking who they had and, and what they had going. Uh, yeah, it felt like the end of NXT before they announced the end of NXT a month later. <laughs> yeah, it was surreal, man. It, it it really WWE felt like 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 Doink the Clown era WWE, and I know Mike liked that time, but it was like that. But the lights were like you also got Raw Underground, like it was pretending to be edgy, but they were giving you you know this terrible. Uh, it was terrible. Yeah, Mike, what do you? This is probably the category you relished in the most. What? <laughs> I mean, WrestleCrap has to be fun, right? So I'm not picking anything problematic, and there's enough worse categories to do that. So for me, dude, it's got to be the, the fucking nightmare factory. The fact that UT Marshall is a real reasonable pick on this. I mean, the fact that, like, it really is a tale of two companies, you know, but it's like, uh, but like the amount of time that it, they were on TV for like a few months, multiple matches on Dynamite, you know, a Nick Camarado versus Dustin Rhodes main event. There was a lot of uh, fucking bad there. And then the one shining decent thing from the faction, like left after getting pinned by Cody. So, uh, you know, because the go-go I think has star power but those other guys didn't i mean i was thinking the wingmen but the wingmen were mostly on dark so i went with uh the nightmare factory with the app name you guys Robert. gotta respect that first cody beat down though that was a great beat down yeah but then those promos man those promos at the school like yeah they it, were rough. it is fun to like goof on qt and ironically make fun of him i am also understanding of why he is not on television right now <laughs> i will say man the the look that he gave when it was announced that he was going to fight paul white was classic yeah oh it was great yeah i mean that was but also the look that we gave when they announced that as a match i mean it's like <laughs> that, that that match will forever be immortalized as like the match in between like two big matches on like their seminal like coming out show <laughs> Absolutely. all right robert what do you got for wrestle crap of the year i think some of you guys have short memories 
and I don't blame you for putting this out of your mind. Uh, but on World Wrestling Entertainment Television, on a pay-per-view broadcast, it was Damian Priest versus The Miz with zombies. <laughs> Shoot zombies that the announcers sold as the living dead who have surrounded the ring for this match. It was the moment when my brain broke, and then we recorded it after, and everybody else pretty well concurred this may be the single dumbest thing we've ever seen uh, this year. It was embarrassing. It was stupid. It was long, and it was used for a real match. If this was a 20-second goofy little egg thing, fine. But they promoted this match. They gave it a legit storyline, and then zombies. Well, there are no wrong. You get it. when you deal with the Miz. I mean, but also, does no, when you this, deal with the Miz, you get fired. Does, does this following sentence not sum up WWE? Man, it was great when they had Bad Bunny in, but it sank once they brought in the zombies. <laughs> they're a better band than Bad Bunny, but they're not a great act for uh, a wrestling match. Best commentator you know for me, this was a no-brainer. Look, I I think at his best, Kevin Kelly is is better than this guy that I'm about to name. But this year, man, Pat McAfee, for me, had the best commentating year. I don't think – I like Taz in AEW. I thought he was fun. But, you know, Pat really fucking put that show on his back, man. And he's a talented dude. I, you know, I, I love sports talk and sports radio and sports TV. So I, I've been starting to watch his show. Um, I'm a big I'm – I'm a big McAfee head. McAfee, Jesus. I pronounced it like the virus software. Robert, who do you have as the best commentator? Yeah, I went with Pat McAfee. Sometimes he is the only watchable part of a segment. And if you're a commentator and you're able to elevate really bad stuff like happy Corbin matches, uh, you know that you're, you're earning your paycheck. And Pat McAfee is the only person in WWE who's allowed to experience joy watching the product. Nobody else feels authentic when they are when they're happy about what they're seeing. Uh, I got to go with Pat. If Taz was on commentary all year, it would have far and away been Taz. He's been the most fun thing on Dynamite the last few weeks filling in for Jr. I don't watch any of the other shows that that he's necessarily on, but he has a lot of fun doing commentary. But there's something infectious about Pat McAfee and and uh, and when he does commentary, Scott. Oh, it's Excalibur for sure. Not only because he always knows what's going on in the ring and he does a great job of telling a story. Yeah, it's usually he, just a tope suicida. Yeah, but he We're also has about to, PWG. He also has to navigate through Jim Ross being angry half the shows, uh, Tony Schiavone not actually understanding what's happening during half the shows, and then uh, camera cuts that miss plot points that he then needs to describe uh, what possibly could have happened. So pretty much you could have picked Conrad Thompson based on 90% of what you just said. (laughs) Well, Conrad's great too, but hot damn. uh, I still think Conrad would be great as a commentator. Oh, I think he'd be so fun. Working outside for three hours in the heat. Are you trying to kill him? (laughs) I just, I just, I just imagine Roy Scheider going, we're going to need a bigger booth. (laughs) Yeah, you think he's going to run away when they try to put someone through the announce table? (laughs) (laughs) Or just put somebody through the Conrad Hawaiian shirt. (laughs) I had had Shivani. I love Shivani. Um, I think Shivani had the line of the fucking year with, God, I love pro wrestling. That was such like, 
an amazing moment. I think that he is a great connection between the past and the present. I think, you know, yeah, what he does in the ring as an interviewer, the two times he's not interrupted were, were great. I, I think that uh, the amount of hate that he has for MJF, I love it. As it feels, it feels like, like its own feud. And it's just really fun. Um, and yeah, the guy just like makes me smile. And, and he's a great dude in real life. So yeah, I want Shivani. Better luck next year, Mark Henry. <laughs> Best stable. I'll start off. The bloodline, baby. The head of the table. It's just a really fun. I mean, him, Roman and the Usos and, and Heyman. Um, I know the shirt kind of looks like dogs playing poker. But as far as like it being, I love bare bones stables. You know, I love the Rick Rude DX shit. I loved NWO when it was just three guys. Uh, so when it's just this, these many people, I just think it's really special. So Robert. Yeah. I went bloodline also just because it's been the most complete stable for the year. It elevated the Usos to the point where they're able to legitimately main event SmackDowns when Roman's not there and it feels earned. And I think that some of the other stables have had that issue where not everybody feels equally as, as elevated. Earlier in the year, I was a big fan of Pinnacle. They just sort of faded away, which is disappointing. It seems like they're maybe picking up a little bit now. I like that group a lot better. I think there's something interesting to what they're, they, can, they can develop. But AEW sometimes is hit and miss where guys just sort of vanish for a while, whereas Bloodline has been consistently entertaining and reliable throughout the year mike yeah i you know i'll, I'll go i'll go bloodline and, and the main reason is Heyman over callus i don't like don callus um and if he wasn't in the elite that might have been my pick but you know and, and he wasn't in it as much the second half of the year but he was in it a good amount the first half but the bloodline yeah it feels like how are they going to stop these guys the, the shit that they've done recently with Heyman's dissension and the Brock Lesnar stuff is really well done. Um, I mean, Heyman's fantastic. And just the Usos, like, screaming in the background, yeah, that's what you get! Like, every beatdown is just fucking hysterical to me. That was that was <laughs> so, Mike's impression of a black woman. Um, <laughs> or, or, or a Samoan alcoholic. But yeah, uh, I went, I went uh, bloodline. And uh, Scott, tell us why it's the elite. No, no, no. I'll go with the bloodline. Uh, and that oh, it's, shit. I mean, it's very literally the only reason to watch WWE. Um, it's super one no and extremely repetitive, but at least you can't fuck it up, right? By doing that. And they haven't necessarily fucked it up at all. And they've made it about Heyman for about 10 of the month, 10 of the 12 months. And Heyman's one of the best ever. So, yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of subtlety told within the bloodline story, but no, no, there's not. Well, you're wrong. Well, um, best heel turn, Scott. Who do you got? Ooh, wait, I might have not written down heel turn. So let me think about that. Or yeah, well, that. I got mine, and it's Adam Cole at all. I think for me, that's the only answer. His heel turn, and I was, you know, I thought that the Young Bucks were better as heels, but their heel turn was kind of anticlimactic, opposing to. Cole laying out Jungle Boy, man, with a super kick. Just such a blast. Mike. Uh, the AEW Pyrotechnics team. <laughs> I uh, I went with uh, I went with Daniel Bryan because 
it's really organic and, and he clearly is the bad guy in this feud but you're not losing who he is or who the character is and the fact that he came in like a couple months ago people really love him and want to cheer him and they're already willing to boo him because he's that great uh is is yeah daniel bryan i mean it, it's crazy to think this guy was in a wrestlemania and then you know in some of the best matches in AEW. so yeah i went bryan um robert who do you got yeah danielson uh i love his heel turn i love how subtle it was i love that it was organic and he, he pretended like he was fighting against it and was trying to remain even-handed and then would just slip in those little digs. And it was such a great natural progression that he became this absolute despicable heel just a few months after a huge debut and the audience being so happy to see him, that great match with Miro. And he slides so perfectly into that heel role and that that persona and taking apart the Dark Order and you wanting to see this guy just get his ass kicked is why Danielson is is incredible. Rob, Robert, do you do you feel like as a Simpsons fan, like this kind of is Frank Grimes versus Homer a little bit? <laughs> like at, since that is my favorite episode, yes, I, I can see. I, I at some point Danielson's going to get electrocuted. <laughs> and it's gonna be fantastic and he'll still come back because he is somehow evades science because he's a vegan who composts <laughs> and and Paige will go to space you've never been hey i'll go with danielson he'll turn two but remember we thought edge was gonna turn heel that was that was getting really good yeah, but then it didn't it, happen. But when he was he, I think he attacked Brian, right? He, he did. Well, he did turn heel for that for like mania. a minute, right? For that feud, yeah. he was good at. He was good he in was that. Like great in those yeah, promos. Edge has been great all year, promo yeah, wise. That promo that he cuts before Manny. I also, I also think a, a runner-up for this could be just the WWE. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Khan, best heel turn of the year. <laughs> Theme song. Dude, maybe Becky Lynch. It got. I mean, it got legit. He. I mean, people are cheering her though. That's the issue. But that oh, it moment. Sucks. It's so, so brutal, bad, man. Dude. It's 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 it, it's and especially now watching watching Raw now, it is not working out. Um, theme because our whole thing about the Becky Lynch heel turn and it's what me and Robert debated, and uh, I kept saying, you know, like the one thing is like, how is this going to turn out six months later? And now we know, which is huh. Yeah. Theme song of the year, Adam Cole, 100%. Mike? Yep, same, 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 dude. Yes, I picked Adam Cole for something. Um, he In my best of, but yeah, the song. I don't even like that kind of you know, Rage Against the Machine <laughs> type music, but the coordination he has with it, the participation, and I, and I wanted to give it to... Uh, the guy's name is Mikey Ruckus. I wanted to give it to someone who made a new song specifically for a wrestler, as opposed. I, I think it is easier just to buy a song that everybody. Yeah, I mean Tarzana knows, Boy is know. great, but it's not. You know. Yeah, not, you know Ruby Ruby Soho is great, but there is like, you know, even <laughs> even my Grinch heart like grows a little bit. Unlike Adam Cole, when I see him doing the point and all of that, it's just. Fucking awesome. Uh, honorable mention, the truncated version of Suzuki's song. <laughs> Robert. 
Uh, same family, different person. I went with Britt Baker. I think her, the doctor will see you now thing is a That's great, good. it feels important when she comes out there, it establishes who she is. It's a really good song. My honorable mention is the Orange Cassidy song. I, I just happen to love that Pixie song and it just fits so perfectly uh, with him. And I just, I could watch that, uh, that entrance every, like I get disappointed when they bring out the best friends and it's not the Orange Cassidy, uh, you know, Pixies, where is my mind? So yeah, that, that, that's a reason like, cause it is a great song, but they, they like use it for like eight people now. And it's like the Cole thing is only for Cole. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, but hey, Fred comes out, he's going to come out. Whatever, guys. It's a great song, man. You got to use it as much as you can. All right. Um, This is, uh, this I think is going to be our first clean sweep. We haven't had a clean sweep yet, have we? I think we did. I think Bloodline was. Oh, Bloodline. Okay. All right. Worst gear. Carrying Cross. Yeah. Mike? Yeah, man, because it's like the second like it came, it, it, it was done. It was just like and 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 to even know how done it was that he, he him and his you know <laughs> and Scarlet were were fired soon after and all of that. But it was just one of those like oh fuck this company moments. I mean, I remember on our Facebook page. Uh, and even us just texting each other, just what the fuck is this? It's yeah, it's got to be that because it's uh, it's an immediate uh, career killer, man. It fucking the only thing it was missing was him tripping and the British Bulldog saying he fell on his arse. All right. Well, if that's three votes for carrying cross, Robert. So it's funny when I was coming up with this, I didn't think of that carrying cross. I must have just blocked that out because when I think of the worst gear, to me, it's Omos coming out in the black pants, the black tank top, and the gold chain. So he looks like he's knight at the Roxbury. That's worse than Carrying Cross, because it's still his gear. It's still his gear. Like Carrying Cross was the gladiator thing twice, and it just it looked weird. But Omos, they continue to put him out in this. He wears and a it just looks- helmet. It's not just the gladiator thing. He's like the Gimp on HGH. I, and and that got a good point in terms Vince. of how much longer Omos has been wearing this. Like Omos has worn this since the uh, Raw Underground days, and this is what they're going with. It's it's like the laziest creator wrestler you've ever done in SmackDown come to life. At least the Gladiator thing, for as stupid and terrible and awful as it was, was a few weeks and it was gone. Uh, this is we continue to see him come out there in the gold chain it just it fuck it's brutal all right for me best gear the head of the table roman reigns i just uh think he's a beautiful man looks great and attracts you robert biggie's steinfeld singlet made me happier than just about anything in wrestling this year i remember watching the match and i'm like i'm pretty sure it says kavorka on his leg and that's a deep that's a deep cut from Seinfeld too, and I think that's why I enjoy it so much. It's so goofy and so ridiculous, and it made me happy. So I went with Biggie's Seinfeld gear. Mike, uh, the uh, the the Hanukkah outfit because yeah, it, it's definitely Biggie is so fucking great. Um, but uh, MJF around the same time wearing the stars of David and all that was just so fucking cool. I mean, yeah, it's like. 
as as a Jew, like seeing that, um, and uh, is fucking awesome. So uh, yeah, that. But that I would buy that Biggie outfit. <laughs> yes, the Biggie outfit is awesome. The MJF thing. My wife broke my glass on it when she's like, "Are they booing him because he's MJF or because he's dressed in uh, in Star of David attire?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, that could be six of one." They were in Texas. A, a little bit of column B. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who do you got, Scott? Uh, Will Ospreay's new gear. He's back to like trunks, like Okada trunks, and they just look cool as hell. They got leopard print by the crotch. Some cool green. Dude, his green black suit is awesome. On. His black suit. Man, is awesome. Osprey just rules hard, and uh, that gear is 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 my favorite. I also really like Omega's red dragon gear. Oh, I, was, awesome. I was really into that. Yeah. Um, best entrance, Scott. Who do you got? The best entrance, no doubt, was when uh, the Elite fought uh, Hangman and the Dark Order. I thought Hangman and Dark Order's entrance was the best of the year. The whole, you don't need a, you know, I don't even know what the hell they said. You don't need a cowboy hat to be a cowboy or whatever the hell they said. Uh, I just thought it, it was awesome. Is that with the Toon Squad, where the Elite well, came Toon out? Well, Toon Squad the- was after that, but I thought the Dark Order and Hangman's was just yeah. superior in terms of like, oh, this is actually badass. But, but it yeah. was the same match. I mean, yeah, yeah, that yeah, ruled. Yeah, that's Dude, great. MJ, for me, it's MJF Long Island entrance. Oh, I mean, that's insane too. That's I mean, yeah. might as well say yeah, that as well. Yeah, Mike. Man, there's so many. Yeah, there's so many. AEW knocks it out of the park with that shit. Mike? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Paige, the horse. Like it's like. You watch that and you're like, yeah, this guy is about to win the title, but it was so fucking exciting. I mean, because it was the kind of entrance where it's like, man, if they do this for him and he doesn't, but just walking down like the empty streets of Minnesota on a horse, <laughs> it was just with the feud flashing that's, back. That's the best way like to travel in Minnesota, by the way. It's like, I mean, you know, his, his song was not from this year. His theme is, is great, but it was no greater than when it was like being played during that. And yeah, like, uh, like Scott said, the other, the other one was great too, but I think it was like, uh, this guy's a main eventer. He's earned it. He's not the dude losing to Jericho. So I, I went with him. Hey, uh, Hey, wait. Also, I mean, Jesus Lord, but the CM Punk, the first entrance, the diving into the crowd, uh, yeah, I wonder if that'll come up later on in the uh, yeah, episode. maybe, maybe. But okay, I think in terms of best in terms of best entrance for me, <laughs> it was during the labors of Jericho when they took away his theme song and the entire crowd sang Judas. You were tuning in just to see that entrance. <laughs> like that was the story was you're going to get to watch the crowd sing his song from the minute he walks out. And when you're excited to hear a Fozzie song, you know AEW has done something herculean that you never thought possible so i think that was a really memorable special moment until the bell rang yeah man i mean we did not mention him for least improved but uh he's he could be there um all right debut of the year i mean i think this could be a clean sweep but hook period no questions asked robert I'm only saying it because Veer has yet to debut. <laughs> and WWE did tweet out, send Veer, because they're just, I don't understand them. But yeah, the, the Hook debut was such a, just a, a, a seismic sea change where you see this guy and you're like, 
oh, this guy could legitimately be the future of AEW, whereas for the last year, he's been kind of a punching bag. And it was so just jaw-dropping to see what he was able to do in such a short time. And everybody talked about it, and it got way more buzz than nine months of Braun Breaker. Mike? I mean, I, I have two answers. Personally, Brock Anderson coming out in the boat <laughs> outfit. And just, like, not even knowing that. Like, I just, you know... I, I, I don't look up uh, if, if Arn Anderson has children or not, but just that it's like the amount of nepotism in the company around that time. Like we had gotten Mike Seidel and then just Arn Anderson's son and that's him. And he's supposed to was hilarious, but my sincere answer is Jade Cargill. Um, I mean, her first match is with Shaq. Uh, they open the show. That's a big fucking moment. She comes off like a star the way that she's just throwing red velvet around. And when you look at the year that she's had since, because I, I really wanted to pick someone that then kind of made good on their promise a little bit. And, and yeah. I really do think that that's Jade. All right, Scott. Well, I mean, yeah, in terms of debut, specifically debut, and it's a new person that's kind of a rookie, you definitely have to go with Hook in terms of like actually being a debut. But other than that, I think the Brian Danielson, Adam Cole thing is like. Well, those are like returns. And yeah, I right. Though, yeah, I know, yeah. but it's debuts in companies. Yeah. I mean, Dante Martin as a single star, but I mean, even that, I don't remember which was the first singles match. It's just, yeah, I don't he was like a standout. Yeah. So the first I'll go with Hook, man. It just seems like legitimately the only actual debut this year worst merch of the year scott oh so there's two um and 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 they do a similar thing which i hate uh chris jericho's demo god shirt and the new roman reigns um what the hell does needle mover needle mover shirt they're just extremely embarrassing uh, and pretty irrelevant and marky, marky, mark. I'm going to go with Drew McIntyre's motorcycle. Uh, even though he destroyed Jinder's motorcycle, then Mattel came out with a Drew's motorcycle. And he doesn't look like, he also like the Drew they use, it doesn't look like his shoulders. Like he looks like uh, Drotus or something. Um, so definitely Drew's motorcycle. Mike? I went with, um, this is the figure that if you go to a Target, you go to a Walmart, you know it, you have seen it. The Riho AEW Series 3 figure is atrocious. It looks like Steve Perry from Journey. Um, <laughs> and often, like, it was like the Canary in the Coal Mine where they, there's definitely a lot more AEW figures now, but in the first half of the year, there wasn't, but you would know that a store got a shipment because there'd always be Rehos left over. And, uh, you know, when you think of like brand awareness and the first thing that people see when they're walking that aisle, there's lots of people that, you know, are the toy aisle, kids and stuff and, and adults. Um, and they <laughs> see that awful looking figure. Um, it's, uh, it's not a good look. So I would you describe this the same way that Giuliani described that art where the Virgin Mary was covered in pee. 
Yeah, but there's some merit to the Virgin Mary being covered in pee. <laughs> All right, best uh, uh, Scott and Robert, what are your answers? I'm running the bathroom, but uh, I'll be uh, right back. That's fine. I'll, I'm gonna I'll do my worst merch of the year first, since yeah. you know I got glossed over. I, I also went with the needle mover because it's it's doubly stupid because it's trying to make a a. There we go. Now it's a Russell Rose podcast. Wow, Dan walks uh, out. The dog shows up. The dogs are finally like chiming in. Um, you it's dogs went so it's a stupid shirt because they've treated roman fairly seriously and it's supposed to be a dick joke on top of you know this very internet marquee like i'm the guy who moves the needle on the ratings it appeals to no one i don't get any why anybody wants to buy it it looks like the fast lane logo best merch of the year by far is the dick on batista shirt that we had made for scott's joke because not only is it a just a fantastic joke that always pays off the intricacy on the uh irish calligraphy where he turned it into dicks is one of the most amazing things i've seen it's such a fantastic shirt uh it is a cheap plug it's available definitely go out and get it but what a what a that's how you pay off a stupid joke wwe uh yeah scott you you want to go best merch best merch was now, again, this is best merch. I'm not commenting on the match at the moment. Best merch was the Moxley Omega uh, Exploding Barbed Wire Deathmatch T-shirt, the white tee. That's awesome. It's actually like the best merch where anybody could wear it, anybody, and they would not look like a moron. Uh, it, is, it is great. A great, great T-shirt. A real low threshold we have for wrestling shirts. <laughs> you probably <laughs> won't look like a moron wearing this. <laughs> you look cool. I I went um, I to uh, redeem these nuts. <laughs> it's just such a because like I could just imagine that being sold at any like shop in Key West, you know, next to the the big Johnson shirts. Like <laughs> it just it just feels like it transcends wrestling, but. But also is embarrassing to wrestling if you find out it's from wrestling. But it, you know, like Kingston's great, and he was like, he said, "Redeem these nuts." Like someone was like, "Put that on a shirt." Uh, and then uh, you know, uh, figures. Uh, the the AEW Sting um, is fucking awesome, and what the Riho does in terms of making you think AEW is not a great company seeing like a, a guy with the name recognition of sting and this new packaging and the figure looks great uh i think really helps the company all right for my best gear i have the roman range track jacket which came last week and i was gonna model today but it's a little snug. and so did dan <laughs> it's a little snug so uh that's my favorite piece of merch this year wait what is it what is it exactly the roman reigns track jacket oh what does it say on it it's just a picture of roman reigns doing the superman punch instead of like a oh yeah man it's great i also bought the iwgp championship title yeah where'd you get that just an ebay it wasn't that it wasn't that expensive it was the okada one but i'm gonna be uh i'm gonna definitely be breaking that out at live events when, when he records it is put on the dog that doesn't bark <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry about that they really went nuts that's fine all right worst match 
Oh, this is actually worst. Uh, yeah, okay. Worst match of the year. Mike, what do you got? It's got to be Bianca, Becky. Just the whole thing. Uh, really, it was awful. Advertising it as Bianca and Sasha, then the Carmella shit. Um, I mean, on that same show, you could go Lashley Goldberg, but Bianca and Becky made me fuck this company and i have not looked back since so it's got to be now strong words from a strong man uh mike i mean uh scott what do you got for worst match of the year who so worst match of the year for me was the fiend first randy orton at wrestlemania there were no wrong answers in this category that man that was madness you didn't know bray was getting fired but you knew all of your time was wasted caring about anything involving this character, if you did care. Um, Randy looked stupid. Bray definitely looked stupid. Alexa looked stupid. Um, yeah, it was really, really terrible. And it was the first match on the card, right? It was almost like they were like, like let's get it out of here. That's how yeah. bad it was. Yeah, it was. It was a decent nice t- night, too, too. It wasn't, you know, legendary. Yeah, yeah. All right, for me, worst match of the year, uh, Team Velasquez versus Team Park La Parca at uh, LA Park. Oh. Or, uh, I don't know why I called it Parca at uh, Triple Mania. I mean, the fact that there was like a return of a guy that nobody knew in the middle of the match, you cut a gigantic promo walking down to the ring in what looks like a Bruce Bruce suit. Um, and then it just turned into just a fucking mess, man. That match was. I mean, it wasn't as bad as, like, I think we saw, like, a triple tag that was, like, Psycho Clown and a few other guys that was way worse. But, man, this was the shits. Robert? Look, I'm not willing to consider that AAA show wrestling, so I've disqualified anything that happened on there. My worst match of the year was Paul White versus QT Marshall on pay-per-view for a couple reasons. Number one, they gave this a lot of time to build this up week after week to tell this story. Uh, Tony Khan basically came out and said, we put this together so we could use it as filler somewhere in the, in the broadcast, which buries it even more that it didn't deserve to be there. And the fun that would have been Paul White versus QT Marshall was minimized because they kept throwing the factory guys when this should have been 10 seconds of Paul White destroying QT Marshall and it's done. They put this thing on pay-per-view. It killed momentum. The audience was just absolutely dead there was no reason to put this on here in what was an a, a fun pay-per-view otherwise uh and not a great spotlight for my boy qt right. you know you know you has got to be an honorable mention too uh is that uh that the, the dan lambert and his group versus the inner circle where it was like also know, that was worst match of the year though like yeah it was pretty bad it, it, it was not good it was almost 20 minutes Hey, what about John Cena versus Roman Reigns for everybody pretending that it was at all good? Well, it was fine. Are you kidding me? Compared to the dude we just mentioned, John Cena talked the whole the whole match. He talked through it. Jump on my back. Do this. Do that. It was it was not as bad as Team Velasquez versus Team LA Park. You got to admit that. Yeah, but what is that? You know, it is even that. We're I mean, that should be disqualified. <laughs> right. It's not like we're videotaping <laughs> yeah. backyard wrestling. It's crazy. Say that. I you saw bumps fighting in an alley like, four weeks ago. Like that's not but, a match. But, 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 but there's also 
<laughs> I love that Scott's like, man, more this... like putting up Halloween decorations than a man. <laughs> I also love that Scott was like, man, this match exposed the business. Now I'm going to watch two Japanese guys dump each other on their head for 60 minutes and walk out being okay. Dan is like bringing up, I mean, let's st- come on, guys. Triple A doesn't count if we're talking about. Biggest heel turn, my fucking mom, honestly. Dan, Dan's going very political. He doesn't want to offend any potential company other than AAA. And even then, he's willing to eat that mayo dip just to kind of keep them on board. See, but it's also so that Dan could get like that alt-right money. Yeah, but- AAA, no me gusta. That's my next transition. Uh, that's every comics transition is alt-right personality. Um, all right, yeah. uh, let, let's let's go to probably one of the most hotly contested categories. Worst wrestler of the year for me, it's it's somebody that I don't even know if anybody else has seen besides me and Robert, and that's Von Wagner. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the fact that they think that this guy is going to be their guy. I was going to say Jackson Riker, but he did have kind of like a fun garbage match with Elias on a Raw one night. Second uh, alt-right plug in a row for Dan St. Germain. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so I, I mean, this guy is just, uh, you know, right now he's just a big nothing. Wait, wait for Drake Wirtz, Jackson Riker, and Dan's new podcast, The Right Side of the Ring. <laughs> the Right Side of the Ring. <laughs> just all, uh, all me pra- praising the Forgotten Sons and what could have been. I, I I loved it. I, I, I mean, I, I did not love it. I don't know why I just said I loved it. Uh, Van, Von Wagner was without a doubt. Um, I mean, there's just a match that he has in the last takeover against, um, you know, the, the European group. I forget what they're called. Imperium it was him Imperium and Kyle O'Reilly. And Kyle O'Reilly. And it's like, it really is. It's, it's like, it's almost as if like you're in a movie and there's like three actors and then it cuts the fourth actor and it's a dog. Like that's what it felt like in this match. You're Uh, making it sound way more entertaining than it is. (laughs) Von Wagner was a guy who didn't do his homework the night before and had to do a book report. And you could just tell that dude was, was lost in the woods. Uh, Robert, uh, who's your worst wrestler of the year? This is Eva Marie's world and we all just live in it. Um, they built her up and built her up and let her go in the ring. And after all these years and all this time, she somehow got worse. So I don't even know how that's physically possible. Uh, Eva Marie, worst wrestler of the year. Mike. Matt Hardy. Whoa. Yeah, man. I don't even like ironically want to watch him. I just want him off my TV. Uh, I think he hurts the presence of the other wrestlers that he manages he's just not entertaining to me like he's fine in like package videos talking about the history of other wrestlers but as an active wrestler uh you know the match like him and christian had a match this year that was just a fucking slog um i just yeah i i want him to retire uh it's got it's matt hardy Jeez, matt, mike just sounded like he was in human resources like that's how much mike hates matt hardy um, yeah, it just became up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Scott. Whoo. Dude, I, I thought Alexa Bliss matches were the worst. It, it was always a genuine botchamania highlight the entire match. It was something that every time Alexa Bliss had a match, there was a moment that was jiffable and everybody just laughed and laughed. 
But that's so not her, right? That's like booking because she had okay matches. It's irrelevant. I mean, she's it's she's the worst. You know, I don't watch like dark and stuff. Those are the worst wrestlers. But yeah, in terms I, I of given television time, do you do you count character commitment because she really did commit to that character? I don't care. I think it's trash. Yeah, that was a recurring thing with Dan and I. Whenever we'd review Raw and she's on it, we're like, she's doing a great job at what they're giving her. What they're giving her is terrible, but she's trying yeah. very hard to make it work. I don't think any of her matches were intentionally like bad botches. They were just weird, poorly thought out matches. Yeah, her, her character was just Angelica from Rugrats goes to Hot Topic. <laughs> <laughs> Crowd pop of the year. I think this will be a sweep, but obviously the CM Punk return. Honorable mention, John Cena at Money in the Bank. That was that was way bigger than I thought it was going to be, but the CM Punk return, uh, you know, was just was just crazy, man. Uh, Scott? Yeah, CM Punk return. Uh, Mike? Yeah, man. Uh, the ice cream bars, the jumping in the crowd, the fact that they didn't officially say it was going to happen, but we all like hoped it did. And then it's like, here he is for 20 minutes. He's fucking here. He's in Chicago. They made it as big a moment as they could. And it was fantastic. So, yeah. Robert. It was Biggie cashing. Money. I'm kidding. Kidding. It was punk's return <laughs> yeah. was biggest pop of the year. It was insane. It was a, a once in a lifetime memorable moment. Yeah, that crying guy, man, like that, you know, it's, it's also, I, I know Scott sent me, but the, the video of the camera crew following and, and capturing shots of people as punks coming out, like really like makes it even more special. Worst booked wrestler of the year. My, my rule for this is that the guy has to be nowhere near the worst wrestler of the year list. So it's all the fucking booking of the guy. And for me, that's Big E, man, especially because this last Monday he cut a really good promo from his uh, house. And I'm like, well, this is what it could have been the whole time. Um, and instead they're doing the push, the push they should have done with Big E with Lashley now. It's just very bizarre. So that's that's my uh, pick on this. Mike? Cody, um, just a boring feud after boring feud. Uh, just felt like he was in a lesser promotion um I, I feel like he dragged down um malachi uh, um I, I just yeah i wasn't interested in what he did and even when he just beat sammy i wasn't happy about that so uh i just i, I feel like 2022 he could have a great year but this year felt transitional and i was just not excited about where it went and and, and a lot of that was the booking because the guy still can wrestle um he can talk uh, as long as he's not trying to solve racism, uh, but for worst booking, Cody. Scott? For me, worst booking is uh, evil in New Japan because oh, he's so poorly booked that he ruins every other match. They yeah. find a way to throw him and interfere in this thing and ruin this goddamn pay-per-view and make you not want to watch this pay-per-view. It's like uh, it, he's been absolutely terrible all year and it's obviously booking because they could just book him doing anything else and it would be better so yeah evil made me almost hate new japan all year robert is not here so we're gonna move on to best overall on the mic 
Okay, I have two answers for this, and one and one I preferred over the other. So I'll just say that that person's the best on the mic. But in ring, it's obviously MJF. Nobody's had the promos this year in ring that MJF has had. But backstage in the vignettes, and for my favorite, for best overall on the mic, has got to be Miro, man. I mean. <laughs> I know that's crazy, but it's really hard to do this type of character and make the promos this good. Uh, but the, but yeah, like he's, uh, you know, the I find your confidence disturbing one minute Snapchat video was amazing, dude. And the sto- this new stuff where he's, he's calling out God and talking about fucking his wife. I mean, it's just, it's just really fun shit. So best overall on the mic, I'm going to actually go with Miro. Scott? I mean, honorable mention Miro, honorable mention Eddie Kingston, honorable mention John Moxley. He's had, you know, the issue with him is there wasn't a lot of big feuds for him, but he would cut a promo, you know, right before he came out for a match. And you were like, God damn, he's ready to go to war. But MJF, man, MJF's promo of the year. He's he's the guy and no one's going to come close to him because it I mean, Dude, it's a gift from God. You're not, nobody can try to be that. He's genuinely better than everybody at it. He's just talented. And, you know, nobody is as talented. I'm going to go, uh, uh, I, I will say, yeah, it's MJF. I mean, Kingston, I will give the honorable mention. Just the fact that that, that motherfucker got over that awful explosion by explaining it through his own PTSD and it worked. <laughs> we believed it and we stopped mocking it. Um, the fact that, yeah, he's just in catering and he's got, you know, all right, I got a week to fight punk uh, here. Now I'm just angry. It, it worked, uh, but I can't give it to him over MJF because they just didn't give him enough screen time to cut promos. Uh but he is like fucking fantastic. And hopefully 2022, they put him out there more. Uh, but yeah, MJF, I mean, there's so many great moments. Uh, look like the, the pinnacle inner circle feud went on so long, but the amount that MJF did to put over the other guys in that group. And, um, and I think uh, a standout to me is the, the, the Brian Pillman moment that it's just, here he is with like this lower mid card guy in his hometown and he's just getting nuclear heat and you now want to see a match between them and then they deliver it. So yeah, MJF, I mean, fucking yeah, he's the best. Robert. MJF. Um, That, that Pillman promo was, was a promo. It was based on a promo I wrote for him a while ago and he delivered it and absolutely killed it. Everything he did so throughout the year. The year is Robert. <laughs> yes, exactly. And somehow a mark for myself in this. No, I think anytime he's out there, no matter what the segment, he's a guy you can you can trust. And and Dan and I were talking about this on something to sports entertainment with about wrestlers that are delivering promos that feel organic versus scripted. Nothing Max ever delivers feels scripted, even though it feels prepared. Because within the confines of pro wrestling, this dude has thought about who he's facing. He thought about what he's going to say. And he goes out there and he delivers it. And he delivers it all the time, no matter who they're putting him in there with. Uh, the the Even that post-match or post-show promo he did in Long Island when it was not for the cameras. 
And it was still a moment of authenticity combined with this is who my character is. He's a guy you can trust to deliver anything on the mic. And that's, that's huge. All right. Promo of the year, Robert, your single favorite promo of the year. Uh, the, uh, the MJF punk promo, I think was, was the promo of the year. It was, it was fun watching them go back and forth. It was the one thing that I was the most excited about when they were bringing in punk is to see those guys go out there and, and verbally joust. And it was a, another seismic shift. It was something that other companies felt they had to respond to WWE felt they had to do their own version of that promo just to, to counter it. It was, it had a lot of hype. And it it really delivered, Mike. Yeah, I mean it's also you know like top you know best of the year list. There often is a recency bias, but this this year especially is fragmented because the first half you didn't really have much of an audience. You know, uh, you know live crowds and live shows really came back. You know, outside of like Jacksonville and stuff. You know, it's like. We started this year with the fucking Thunderdome and all of that. And now we're back to these crowds and everything. And it's awesome. But I feel, yeah, it's there's stuff from the first half of the year that I honestly don't remember because there wasn't the crowd reactions. But this, the MJF, you know, punk and how people are reacting to it, that it's in punk's hometown but they're still like you know what that was a good one max a couple times was pretty fucking great and and i think what really made it awesome there was a lot of humor there was shoot stuff but you know punk really stuck the landing with the second city thing and you know we burn but we come back and it made you really want to see them fight so it's yeah that's it for me scott well so so there is the mjf punk promo there is the punk promo him returning for the first time and it just kind of taking off where he left off that felt really insane to watch but just for in terms of sticking the landing um i think the hangman uh, omega go home signing the way they spoke to each other the way they laid out the storyline perfectly and kind of summarized it and mainly for Hangman, I think there's something about his promos, that the, the way he's willing to, to be so realistic about how humans react to things and how he would feel about a thing. It's, I, I don't know. I don't see it in anybody else because that's not really what pro wrestling is. It's either I'm the best or, or you're the worst or whatever, you know, whatever it may be. And he, what he does is way more subtle and honest, and I, I think it's really cool, and I, I hope to see more of it. I'm going to go with the Edge, I dreamt it promo before WrestleMania. Nice, yeah. We do forget about the stuff in the first half of the year. I didn't really consider, you know, MJF and CM Punk, I consider it more of like a segment and a back and forth. But, um, I mean, that was obviously great. And the, the, the contract signing between Hangman and Kenny was great. I just thought that in terms of, like, what he did as far as um, setting the stage and setting up the – setting up this triple threat, which on paper was kind of like thrown together last minute. And it turned into a really good WrestleMania main event. Um, but yeah, go back and watch that promo. It's awesome. Worst event of the year. I guess I'm disqualified from saying this, but <laughs> triple mania 2021. I mean, this was just, this wasn't even a bad wrestling event. This was like a failure of a state fair. That's what it felt like. It just, it, it felt like the health department 
uh, closing an amusement park. This is what the entire show felt like. Uh, I don't think there's any show that comes even close to it, Mike. Um, I went SummerSlam. Uh, you know, the, I mean, the main event was decent. Uh, the Edge Rollins thing was fine, but the amount of garbage and it just, yeah, this was like my real point of, you know, ugh, fuck this company and the, 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 uh, yeah, the Sasha thing. And then that you had the Lashley thing that you, you had, you had a moment where I was like, cause I, I did love McAfee. Was this, or was it mania where he's just dancing to boogs for like three minutes? I think it was SummerSlam. <laughs> where it's like just yeah, boogs dance up on the yeah, table. Yeah, you're it was right. Very yeah. weird. It was a very it was, it was it was very weird. You know, you had I think you had a gender match. I mean, this was yeah, this was a, a bad for what's supposed to be one of your biggest shows. And and then the other thing of it is that you end on the Lesnar thing, and it is this exciting thing, but it's gonna be in Saudi Arabia. So fuck you. Um, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, d- tell us how you really feel, Scott. Man, dude, extreme rules this year. With I, uh, I remember Roman Reigns beat Finn Balor uh, by oh and fell. I mean, the fact that we don't even mention that because there's been so many awful things. That was one of the worst that, that moments of the year. Was bad. That was a really the, yeah. Uh, the demon Finn Balor's heart beating crazy and him popping back up and falling and i mean it was an extreme rules pay-per-view and there was like no extreme rules matches right there's one maybe yeah it wasn't it was the final match like i think even the, the smackdown women's match becky lynch versus okay bianca right versus becky lynch and sasha banks oh no bianca versus becky lynch it ended in a dq at an extreme rules pay-per-view it's just dude yeah, yeah. Was, terrible, uh, terrible show. It wasn't. Can we all can we all give credit to 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 Robert, who I, I guess is dealing with some stuff. When we talked about worst book wrestler, he wasn't on. Now we're talking worst show of the year. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could only say WWE best. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. By the way, Robert did have to hop off the podcast for a yeah, second. Also, right. by the way, breaking news: uh, John Madden died. Oh my God! Right after that special. I didn't yeah. know there was a special, but There's he died this morning, I Christmas. guess. But they just announced There's a special it. over Christmas break, um, talking about like the legend of John Madden that the NFL was like advertising all week. Oh wow! Well, yeah, he passed away. Wow, that's nuts. I always, dude, I always love that. Like the best football game, you know, <laughs> in video games, just had an old fat guy on it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. no, nah, dude, that guy's a legend and. My dad is a massive, massive Raiders fan, so he really loves uh, John. Dude, his outfits on the sideline are legendary, man. They're all like Ted Knight and Caddyshack. It's- and then he like he 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 would only take the bus, right? He wouldn't fly anywhere. Yeah, he did not. Him, him and Whoopi Goldberg have that in common. Yeah. Um, next up, event of the year for me. This was Double or Nothing 2021. This felt like wrestling crowds are back. Um, and I don't even know if it was at full capacity, but it just felt like a blast, man. It, it that first match with Hangman Page and Brian Cage, and the 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 energy that was in that arena, and I think it was like Daly's place. But yeah, that that was a blast. That was my favorite event of the year, Scott. Who favorite event of the year is really really difficult because All Out was fantastic, right? 
and you had Punk's return match, which which was great. You had uh, the debut. You know that ending was unreal moment of the year. I mean, well, you didn't having, love the Punk Darby match, right? I mean, I was fine with it, but I wasn't crazy about it. But I, it it worked. I mean, considering he's been gone for seven years, I, but they were. It was an important moment, you know, Punk's return match. But start to finish, I thought full gear, man. The main event of Omega Hangman. Darby MJF was like low key one of the best matches of the entire. If someone said that's my favorite match of the year, I'd go, yeah, that was unbelievable. Punk versus Eddie Kingston was one of the best matches of the year. It felt like that entire card was just uh, just unbelievable. Um, All right, Uh, Mike, what was your event of the year? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go full gear. I, I do think that all out in terms of like holy shit look at this company now but you know i feel like fuggy really like took all of those stars and then really showed like no this is what we can do with them they're they're not just here they're not just popping in for a match or two they're active performers and they're putting on great fun matches i mean yeah it's uh I had people over for it, uh, which I might not be able to do again for a while with COVID coming back. So it was just fun to watch wrestling with, with, with a bunch of buddies. And uh, that, that show, yeah, the the CM Punk, like, Kingston thing, like, yeah, they did it, like, a, a week before they set it up. That was fantastic. And then, yeah, just like Scott said, I think the, the bookends of the first match of, like, here's, like, your two, two of your big future guys. And they had this long, very fascinating story-based match. And then it ends with, here's the payoff. You know, it's like, it really, it felt like the season finale in a way. Like, obviously you could still watch AEW now, but if you stop watching at the end of Full Gear uh, and didn't start for a while again, you're fine. Because it gives you that, like, culmination kind of thing. It was great, 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 great event. Maybe you guys swayed me. Uh, tag team of the year. I got the Young Bucks. Scott? Young Bucks, no doubt. Didn't have a bad match. Always knocked it out of the park. That steel cage match was, you know, one of the best matches of the year. Mike? Yeah. I mean, it's it's consistency. Like, the, the Luchas were really good. Uh, you know, Lucha Brothers, uh, Santana and Ortiz, when they when they remember they work for the company, were great. Same with FTR. But it's like these guys, the amount that they delivered and everything, uh, and, and still are. It's just fucking, it's pretty incredible uh, just how good of workers they are and how they how they pivoted, I think, from last year to, to this year. Like, in, in some ways, I put them most improved where they really doubled down on the douchebaggery and the Brandon Cutler and, like, had fun with their characters and, you know, the shoes and all that stuff. It's like they went from, you know, the whole Papa Buck thing. Like, they went from, like, you know, baby faces I didn't really care about to heels that I think are invaluable to that company's success. Full sweep for the Young Bucks. It's like one of our three full sweeps. Manager of the year, Paul Heyman. Scott? Oh, yeah, I guess you got to go with Heyman, right? So long as he's a manager, you have to go with Paul Heyman. I mean, it's just, I mean, he, he was able to, like, make a feud that has never worked work. <laughs> yeah, he's the guy. It's, it's pretty incredible. Mike? 
Yeah. I mean, it's he's just fucking like I, I watched uh, the him getting fired stuff and mm-hmm. the and they did like a, a farewell video with him. And he's just so wonderful, man. Like yeah. there's nobody there's nobody better. I mean, when it came to the best on the mic. You know, I, I, because of like, I, I do agree with Scott the repetitiveness of the bloodline stuff, which is why like I want MJF. But I mean, the guy guy makes you care about shit that's not interesting. Um, you know, Roman has kind of had the same story a lot of the year, and Heyman always gives you that one promo of like, oh shit, maybe I should watch this. Uh, he's yeah, he he is legendary. He's, he's the best. Scott. And you best. know what? Sh- wait, shout out though. And he's not even close on the mic, but there's something about this, this manager. I, I love, I love totally Blanchard so much. And I think yeah. he's always good. Every time awesome. he's on, he's good. And if we had most underrated manager, Robert Stone, I don't know why they don't do more with that guy. <laughs> best. Yeah, Bell- best- oh, sorry. I'm going to stay with totally. Like I thought about totally. I, Whenever he was in matches or any type of participation, it's just like he's kind of redundant in in the pinnacle. It's kind of like like J.D. J. Dillon, where it's like there's already four wrestlers. There's already like a clear heel. What is this guy doing here? <laughs> um. All right. Next up, we have best bell to bell, Scott. Shingo Takagi, bell to bell, Shingo, for sure. Can't argue with that, but um, you know, I my, my reasoning for this it's a little bit different this year, which I, I feel like you can answer this in a million different ways. But you know, because I was like, like in ring as far as like move set and style, I've probably liked Jay White the most this year, even though he hasn't had like the best matches. He's had some great matches. Yeah, Jay White versus Abushi is is you know goes back and forth and like one of my favorite matches of the year. You know? Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. But if I really have to go with like best wrestler as far as like a guy who made his co-stars shine, that would be Brian Danielson, man. I mean, the fact that he was able to put over Roman, put over Hedge, put over uh you know hangman page even though i think the match is a little too long you know like he he's able to do it that match with omega you know he's able to just make every he's able to get the best match out of everyone he wrestles so that's my that's my pick mike i went with um yeah i thought about this long you know i'm the least work rate guy here but it was like you know who do i like watching and who's really delivered i want darby man because oh there's that that's not wrong yeah you know like uh the tag matches with sting where he's taking like the bulk of the punishment because yeah the sting had his return matches all in this year and it was just a brilliant idea to have him paired up with this like small guy who could just take a fucking beating um you know, the fact that, yeah, they trusted him and, and, and rightfully so with Punk. And then, you know, I feel, yeah, that MJF match, it was like, you, you can't, I don't think you can watch that match and say, well, this guy has the same match every time because he doesn't. And the, the amount of like Matt based work in that match, it really made me uh, respect him as a wrestler. And if I'm thinking of like watching someone's highlights of, of, of the year, 
he's a guy I would pick because they would be different. You know, there was the, the plundery shit with Ethan page, but then there's the more, you know, nuanced stuff where he's not doing crazy shit. So yeah, I, I think that he's just fucking fantastic and uh, makes everyone else. Yeah. Look better too. It's like, he, cause he's also, it, it's really tough to do this, but he is a guy that he can get pinned all the time and he still just is over. Because and some of that, I think, is the size where it's like you're just impressed that he even showed up and went into the ring. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I think Darby is, is just a phenomenal talent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't deny it. Yeah, I mean, you can't deny that. Um, we're on to – Low spot of the year. I mean, for me, and I think that this one may be everybody, but the firings, man, just sucks to see people lose their job. I felt it was a little cavalierly how it was done. Um, yeah, so that's my low spot of the year. Mike? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a pretty clear one, I think. But also the death of what we know as NXT and, and Ring of Honor, man. Like, yeah. Just anytime. I mean, I think it's all connected, you know, where it's this place is firing people and now there's one less place for those people to go. Um, and that sucks. And, you know, I think about how much I, I liked uh, the takeover this year, uh, you know, with Mania. And it's like the amount of those guys that are gone or just don't feel like they're going anywhere um, is kind of depressing. So, but yeah, I mean, the firings or just that thing of like, you know, yeah, the amount, the amount of like profit they made and they still just cut all these people, you know, the, the, the Mickey, J, the, the trash bag thing, just the, the callousness of it. Um, you know, the amount of talent, who the talent is, but also how they were treated. It just made you feel shitty as a fan for being invested in these people. For sure. Um, yeah. No doubt the firings for me too. Uh, they didn't have to and it was a whole lot of them a whole lot of them and some of them really really uh great and didn't deserve it and were booked so poorly that it it comes off just like intentional and abusive kind of it's weird it's just weird yeah man it's like you, you know it's funny like 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 i feel like you know, i roast people for a living i feel like bad for putting carrying cross on other categories like in the worst gear i'm like oh he already lost his job man well <laughs> yeah. it, it was it truly wasn't his fault you know like no of course not no nice man, spot of the year i think this one may be unanimous but cm punk's return mike what was this high spot of the year oh um i went with man the return of of live crowds and touring i think yeah. and i think um you know but to to make it more specific, the you you know my high spot of the year is the use of hometowns with AEW. I love that, you know, Rampage. The first episode was in Britsburg, and you know, yeah, they made a Cincinnati episode and a Long Island episode. You know, it, it was the perfect uh, combination of hey, we are back, we are touring. And we're going to make the most of it. We do know that these stars are from your town. 
And we're going to, even if they don't win, they're going to be put over big. You know, uh, I mean, just that Grand Slam show was such like a, a big moment and it felt special. And the, you know, love that the New York talent got there. Yeah, just the love that uh, any talent got. Just, dude, it was like a fucking show on December 9th became a big event because, yeah, it's MJF in Long Island. That's insane. Yeah, every week felt like there was some type of monumental moment occurring that you had to see, which was really cool. And the fact that there's still a lot of places they haven't gone, you know, Dude, they, the haven't West Coast, LA, right? they haven't been to the West Coast at all. No, man. And, you know, or other countries like, dude, if they go to the UK with Pac, you know, Canada with a lot of the Canadian wrestlers, it'll be a big fucking moment. And that's awesome because you can have so weird, man, because it's like impact may still be big over there. (laughs) You know, it's such a weird cross section of uh, fans. Yeah, they, um, they, they, they're still waiting for Rockstar Spud to come back. They don't... <laughs> Female Wrestler of the Year. This one was hard for me because I'm just going to give it to Siori and Utami just because they had the best match of the year. I mean, I was, I was picking between Bianca Belair and Britt Baker, but like Britt Baker had that lights out match, though I think that was last year. Like she hasn't had a match to me that's like really incredible. And Bianca, who had that match with Sasha that I, I actually thought was really incredible, and she had some great matches with Bailey. She she had that moment after the rumble, but she didn't have like that promo that Britt Baker had. They were they were almost like polar opposites of each other. Like together they would have been the perfect wrestler. So I'm gonna just give it a tie for Siori and Utami. Scott. Just because that match, if you haven't seen that match. Fucking watch that match. It is the Okada Omega of women's wrestling. It's Yeah, I, I do need to watch that. I don't know why I haven't. Text me that, by the way, right now. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I will watch it. But, um, dude, I'm going to go with Bianca. I love Britt Baker, and she's super, super over. But Bianca winning at WrestleMania and it feeling like the only big moment to come out of Mania and her fighting Sasha, and it just it's just looking like pro wrestling. Like, that – that match was one of the most pro wrestling matches of the year to me. The, uh, the whipping of the hair, hitting her stomach and all these, these cool moments and, you know, pressing uh, Sasha over her head and in, in front of, you know, in a giant stadium. It, yeah, it's just Bianca for me. E- even even a, such a low spot of like Becky beating her so quickly, it was still it still felt like a positive for Bianca because everybody was behind her. I don't know what's happening now because I don't watch it, but uh, yeah. Bianca. Um, Mike? Yeah, I, I went Bianca. I mean, she had some great it was games. one of those things like that Rumble that. moment was genuine and, and sincere. Like her with Montez, it's like, that was awesome. Uh, yeah, the, the Mania stuff where, you know, it was one of those things where you're like, oh yeah, this company can still do it. And then SummerSlam happens and you're like, no, they can't. But, but for... You know, but that was August for, you know, eight months. You had uh, a really well-pushed star that felt organic, that felt like, you know, she was being loved and embraced by the crowd. And, um, yeah, so I would I would go her. And I don't think it's too late to rehabilitate her, but I, I just feel, you know, the, the, the Becky moment. And then just where it went after just hasn't been interesting, you know. They did. They they never did make good on on that shitty moment. 
There's still time, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, two more categories left. Male wrestler of the year. For me, it is Roman Reigns. He has held, held that company on his back. I think his promos have been great. A lot of really good matches. No, he's not the best in ring, but some really good matches. Uh, and he's made SmackDown for about three-fourths of the year really good television. And we forget that before this, we had Braun Strowman as the SmackDown Universal Champion, man. So to, to say this is a step up, he, he's he's the most complete performer in wrestling in my in my mind. Scott? He's the mo- most complete performer in wrestling. No, he's not very good in the ring. <laughs> Shut up, Dan, you liar. He is, Scott. He is because you watch one match and you're like, I've completed Roman Reigns. <laughs> it's all been complete. <laughs> I don't oh, need to Roman, see Roman's matches are great. You don't like Roman's matches? They, they do feel no. the same, man. I just, yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't get it's into it. It's just him talking. He just talks the whole time and walks around. You guys yeah, you like this? Yeah, you, you got to watch it on mute. Otherwise, everybody thinks you're watching porn. Robert's, yeah. Robert's kicking himself right now that he can't defend me. <laughs> is, is Robert okay? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I hope he's fine. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's funny with, with, with Roman. It just He just sounds like the most eager guy at the gangbang. Like he, like he showed up late. <laughs> yeah. He's got to go later. And he's like, look, I can't, I can't pound him as well, but I'm going to make myself hurt. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, like, like, like he thinks he won her over. And the thing is, like, it was great for the Thunderdome era. When there's nobody there, it's less yeah. great when there's people there. Yeah, I, I thought it was very crazy. I, I thought the, uh, the what was MMG it? Like, crowds have been amazing you know? for, for Roman. I mean, they've yeah. been going apeshit for him. Yeah, I mean, these but, people are stupid, though, you know? like he over guy. He has, he's sold more merch than any other WWE heel in history. I don't care. You know what type of person goes to a WWE show, okay? It, it's irrelevant. Jeez, that's racist. No, that's not what I meant. Man, we know what that meant. It's IQist or something. Um, <laughs> what QAnon? You think you like? <laughs> yeah, do you do you think WWE fans are smart enough a to accept the world, but b think that there's a <laughs> hidden world underneath the world? <laughs> All right. Uh, wait, wait, what's your wrestle? Who's your wrestler of the year, guys? Oh, mine's Kenny Omega. Uh, I didn't. I don't think he had a bad match. His funny matches were funnier than everybody else's. I don't shit on it. Well, because it's right, though. You can't argue with it. Uh, His silly matches were the silly, you know, were the best executed silly. His, 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 you know, his most hard hitting matches were the most hard hitting out of anybody. His hardcore matches were the most hard. He, he was the best all around wrestler. He showed up an impact to help them during the pandemic. He had the triple a title, uh, he didn't have a terrible promo all year. He didn't have a terrible feud all year. I thought he made Christian look good. Um, all right, what's that go crazy? Just all around. He he was AEW was the the best show all year. He was the champion all year. It's Kenny Omega. All right, Mike. And and ratings have been down since he's been gone. And you know it's not as good without him there because. He is must see. I mean, that is, I mean his, his 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 leaving. I mean, it it it's now a genuine argument of whether or not you put the title back on him when he comes back. He's so good, Mike. Yeah, man, I I actually agree with Scott. I, I I tried thinking, is he my favorite? No, but I think he was the best, and I think he really did 
anchor that company and just even the way that he left where it felt like he was like carrying the load until other people were there to help him carry it and now he's taking a break and it's like you know we don't know how long his break is going to be but it is so well deserved yeah i mean i hate the impact stuff but the fact that he did it and you know the triple a stuff and that you know he was willing to put himself out there and and that uh yeah i mean yeah the comedy stuff like you said scott and um the serious stuff i, I mean he did everything that was asked of him and over delivered and you know just that thing like you know, it's a, it's a thing that, like, you know, a Triple H often couldn't do where, you know, they're like the focal point of the company. And then when they lose, they actually do transfer their power. Um, and and it felt like that's what happened with Paige. And a lot of that has to be given to the greatness of, of Kenny. I mean, I didn't even think I was that big of a Kenny fan. And then when Christian pinned him, I'm like, you can't fucking do that to Kenny. <laughs> so... Um, yeah man the guy's special you know i mean even even matches that they didn't like put that much focus on like the uh the Pac and orange cassidy that's kind of an afterthought but it was so well done and even you know the explosion thing you know it was a tech foul but the match itself was fucking awesome you know like so i i think that kenny kenny uh really this was the year that the Kenny we were promised actually showed up. Well, he's good, but he's no head of the table. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's, uh, let's get to the, the granddaddy of all categories, folks. And by that, I mean, it's our last one. The match of the year. Mike, what do you got? I went with... Walter and Dragunov. Oh, yeah, no, that's at, at takeover just because it's like enjoy this, you will not be seeing it again, you know. Uh hold on to 16 as long as you can. <laughs> this was <laughs> this was just like a, a special match. Uh I mean, fucking brutal, but just awesome. I mean, it easily could have been Brian and Kenny, but there was there's something about the conclusive win. And the little guy overcoming the big guy. Uh, I watched this match a couple times, and I, I noticed new things every time in it. You know, uh, last year my match was Stadium Stampede, and it was just like I needed fun, I needed like enjoyment. And, and this year, uh, you know, things were normal enough that I could just watch two people beat the shit out of each other, uh, and that's what these guys did. So. Um, you know, hopefully they get to, to keep working <laughs> and and ply their wares uh, elsewhere uh, to a company that gives a shit. But yeah, Walter and Dragunov. Yeah, well, they could do a good job with Walter. Who knows? I don't know. Um, <laughs> my match, mask. My match there was Pentagon and Phoenix, the Lucha Bros versus the Young Bucks in a steel cage match. It all out. This match was really fun to watch and incredibly impressive because I, I didn't I didn't know that they were going to pull this off and it, it it exceeded my wildest expectations. Love this match, Scott. 
Who for me, it, it, it's, it's really easy. And a lot of it has to do with I was there, but Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. Yeah, yeah. Just them staring at each other and us going ballistic and it feeling like, oh, wow, wrestling. Like AEW is, is the New York wrestling now. It, it felt insane. Their ratings to went up. Their, their, their ratings went up this week, so that's, that's good. Oh well, yeah, yeah. I mean, just just in terms of of what that felt like of of two of two of the best in, you know, the, the this period of time we are existing in, finally facing each other, and it just delivering the setup looking right, the crowd being right, that running knee uh, from the outside, thirty minute time limit draw. It, it it was yeah, it was the coolest thing, especially to see live. Well, that's our Wrestle Roasts Awards. Folks, we're back next week with the Roast of Edge. And on Patreon, we're going to be reviewing day one. So uh, I don't know. We'll talk about when you guys want to do it, uh, whether you want to record right after the show or. or um... uh, Dan? Yeah? I've got to do uh, Twitter question of the year. Yeah. Oh. Let's do this. <laughs> um it's not uh, <laughs> but, but i i i asked uh our our fans you know what what did they learn as wrestling fans this year so what was the big takeaway lesson at big red 10125 budget cuts can be required even while making record profits at d 15 <laughs> i learned that dan labmer knows me better than my own wife does <laughs> and movie guy i guess if you're gonna advertise domino's pizza during nationally televised wrestling you're eventually going to do it while a man carves a dude's face with a pizza cutter at show off 1984 veer may never get to raw <laughs> at bozy 78 scott needs more wet wipes whilst watching aew <laughs> i really like the whilst <laughs> Yeah, nice, nice at Dan Bean Sports. Wow. Uh, Brock Lesnar will never be the most intimidating man in WWE as long as Nick Khan has a spreadsheet of superstar salaries. <laughs> at Scott Ferry, if I learned anything, I wouldn't still be watching. And finally, at Archer underscore Tom3, I didn't know who QT Marshall was until I listened to this podcast, and now I'm happy for it. Oh, we, we, we much obliged, sir. Um, next week, we're going to be doing the Roast of Edge. Like I said, we're going to be doing day one uh, this weekend on Patreon. Got a lot of fun show. We are going to do a watch along at some point once we figure out how to do that all Zoom and remotely you know, queuing together. Uh, Hope Roberts. Yeah, we, okay. can't even, uh, we can't even do a record along sometimes. So, yeah, exactly. We'll uh, Hope, Hope Roberts, okay. Buy our t shirts, become a patron. We have the best deal. In- wrestling patreon history scott what do you got to plug scott underscore chaplin on twitter and instagram also the wrestle roast instagram also next week we're going to be talking wrestle kingdom a little bit oh that's uh, right oh I, I i guess hangman and brian danielson will have had their match hopefully i will be there live i guess it depends on oh, is covid it, and is if i have it it's in newark Oh, man, I kind of want to go. Scott, Scott is waiting to be asked to be one of the three judges. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I will say, yeah, Robert, unfortunately, wasn't able to make the end of this episode, but 
Um, I think, you know, let's have him record his answers and give them at the end of this so you can still hear all of his thoughts and all of his picks. Yes. Yeah, so here's Robert's part. Hey, guys, it's it's Robert. Uh, sorry, I had to uh, drop out from the, the rest of the group while they were going over the, the, the rest of the their superlatives, the let's call it the roasties. You know what? No one's here right now. It's just me. I'm naming it the roasties. Uh, that's the thing. Uh, again, I didn't get a chance to go back and listen to what everybody else said for the rest of their answers. So if any of this is repetitive or I've, I've said something someone else did, it's because all four of us are pretty smart guys. We all tend to think uh, the same way about a lot of things. So it shouldn't shock you if a lot of stuff is the same. It also shouldn't shock you or it may shock you if some of the stuff I say is pro AEW. When Scott goes back and listens to this, dude's going to be shocked. Um, all right. So based on uh, the, the list of what I have left, uh, next up is low spot of the year. Uh, low spot of the year for me is without a doubt the releases that occurred. So that was sort of a rolling low spot. The, the WWE roster at the beginning of 2021 versus the end of 2021 looks like two very different companies. Uh, losing guys like Bray Wyatt, like Braun Strowman, Karrion Cross, Keith Lee, Scarlett Bordeaux, Mia Yim, uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Top Dalla, and and loads others. It's hard to keep track of everybody that's been been released. It's been a, a tremendous loss of of really good, really strong, really impressive talent, and it's unfortunate that the WWE did a lot of this for cost cutting measures. And it's not the fault of the, the superstars for the most part as to why they were released. I say for the most part, there were a few that seemed to be more vaccine related than performance related, in which case, you know, that's a whole other can of worms that we don't need to necessarily get into. But the low spot of the year for me was seeing a lot of talented men and women uh, get released by the WWE because of perceived budget cuts, uh, because Nick Khan needs to show a profit as a publicly traded company. And the easiest way to do that is to reduce your payroll. Uh, high spot of the year, I'm going to imagine everybody had this and will make it unanimous. And if it wasn't, somebody was totally off the rails. It was the return of CM Punk. The return of CM Punk uh, everything that happened subsequent, you got to compartmentalize. Yes, the, the post-punk return has been hits and misses. Uh, obviously, the high spot being him versus Danny Garcia, greatest thing of all time. The low spots uh, being the stuff with this MJF kid. Who cares about that guy? Um, the, the punk return was something that was built up for weeks and weeks and weeks. And even though everybody, you, you kind of knew, but you kind of didn't, and you didn't really want to know, you didn't want there to be confirmation. You didn't want to get something that said, oh, we, we know for a fact CM Punk's in Chicago, or Meltzer's going to say, oh, it's a done deal. The contract has been signed. You like that tiny little bit of intrigue, because when Cult of Personality first hit, and that crowd erupted, it was a genuine moment um i've been critical sometimes of aw they do a lot of surprise debuts they rely a lot on the surprise debut which is very wcw during the nitro era but that return of punk was such a pure cathartic moment it was something that everyone that's a wrestling fan had been waiting for since the moment that he left uh the the, the ring and royal rumble and we're like he's gone he may never come back uh, and then it started to sink in. Wow, he really may never come back. 
and then we got it. And he was gracious in his return. He showed command. He showed presence. The audience was just overjoyed. It made being a wrestling fan fun. Uh, which brings me to my next category, Tag Team of the Year. I picked RK Bro. Uh, I picked RK Bro because it is some of the most fun that you have when watching WWE programming is seeing the, the chemistry, the camaraderie of Randy Orton and Riddle. Are there tag teams who are technically better? Yes, I, I think there's an argument to be made for, for FTR uh, for this year. There's an argument to be made for the underutilized, proud, and powerful. There's an argument to be made for the Lucha Bros or, or the revitalized Young Bucks during their heel turn. So an argument to be made for the Usos, who've been really, uh, really strong as a tag team. But for me, tag team of the year, this was the year where these two guys came together and most people didn't think they were going to last a week before Randy was going to turn on on riddle you didn't get that they've they've merged together in a logical sense they now have wacky graphics they're fun the crowd goes wild for them the crowd has never been more into randy orton as a baby face i think than they have now my guess is this is going to set up wrestlemania this is going to set up storylines going forward I still think it's going to be Orton and Rollins main eventing WrestleMania one of the nights or, or one of the marquee matches for the title uh, or some combination of Riddle and Orton. We're going to get to something with that, but the crowd is invested. And when you get a WWE audience that's used to being homogenized and in a bubble and they are invested in something, uh, that deserves the superlative. Uh, worst event of the year, not counting that Triple Mania show because that's just not fair uh, to humanity to remind you of that. Uh, I went with SummerSlam 2001. That's right. Worst event of the year, SummerSlam 2001. Looking back at it, there were matches that were disappointing that I was excited about. There was RK Bro versus AJ and Omos. It was seven minutes. It was it was a, a, a flash in a pan. There was an Alexa Bliss, Eva Marie match that was pretty brutal. Uh, Damian Priest and Sheamus was okay, but not something we haven't seen a hundred times uh, on television. Usos versus the Mysterios was pretty underwhelming. That Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair match segment thing, uh, which I've defended on here in terms of I know why they did it, it, it was it was disappointing. It wasn't good for the for the audience. Uh, Drew McIntyre, Jinder Mahal was pretty terrible. Uh, Charlotte beating uh, Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley was eh. Uh, Edge and Rollins was probably the best match of the night. Um, I think that's a pretty easy distinction. Lashley and Goldberg was disaster. That was the whole situation with Goldberg's son. Uh, and then Roman Reigns versus John Cena. I know that Scott really hated that match. I didn't hate it it just wasn't very good it was just kind of there to, to me it felt like the responses i saw from people for the snyder cut of justice league um it was long it was uh better than what you thought it was going to be but it, it wasn't great it wasn't something i really would ever need to go back and watch again and the fact that the best thing i can say about a pay-per-view is that the main event was something that you know, I, I don't want to have to watch again, but if I had to, wouldn't be the end of the world, especially for a big four show, especially for a show in front of a huge stadium full of people. It was a huge disappointment. Uh, that being said, my event of the year 
which I'm imagining the other guys went with as well, was uh, was Full Gear 2021. That to me was the uh, a, a tremendously fun AEW pay per view, tremendously fun pay per view from top to bottom. I, I guess there's there's arguments you can make for All Out. Um, I didn't love the reliance on debuts to make that main event pay off. I thought that Full Gear was a more complete show. MJF and Darby Allen was one of my favorite matches of the year. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Lucha Bros versus FTR was a tremendous amount of fun. Danielson Miro was a great match. Uh, the the Falls Count Anywhere six man tag was was pretty you know wild. Went a little long, but it was wild. Uh, there was a Cody and Pac versus Malachi Black and Andrade match where nobody got hurt, so that's a plus. Um, didn't love Britt Baker Ty Conti, but it was okay. Uh, it didn't dip the show too much. Uh, I dug CM Punk, Eddie Kingston. The emotion there was a lot of fun. Believe it or not, I liked the Minneapolis street fight, the America's top team inner circle thing. It was goofy. It was weird. It was it was well-contained. And then Hangman Page beating Kenny Omega, which was good, logical storytelling. And you know that I am a sucker for good, logical storytelling. Manager of the year, Again, I'm going to assume this was a slam dunk unless Scott picked something totally off the wall and wacky. Um, Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman has been exemplary in his role with the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. He has been the, the centerpiece, the focus of the current Brock Lesnar story. Everything he does, his mannerisms, his involvement in the actual crafting of the story, his facial expressions when he's on the outside, he just knows what to do. He knows his role, and it makes him unparalleled. It's, it's astonishing how good he is at what he does. And I get that WWE doesn't allow managers. So there's nobody else who really gets a chance to thrive in that role. But you look at the managers in AEW, and there's not a ton of exemplary standout managers. It's, it's a lot of veterans who are, I'm happy they're getting a payday. I'm happy to see them there. But... You can't say with a straight face, Arn really elevates the Cody presentation above what you're getting. He comes out there with that that Waffle House menu, and he just kind of stands there. It's it's sometimes good, sometimes not. Tully, it's cool to see him out there. I don't think he's necessarily necessary. Jake takes away, uh, in my opinion, uh, from Archer, and then... The, the, there's the guy who comes out with F, with uh, the Lucha Bros, uh, who I'm not even going to bother to look up uh, what his name is. Once I know that he does QVC shows, and uh, someone posted on the Facebook group that he does a uh, he was in Hewlett Packard ads, which is definitely funny. But I don't I don't need him. There, there's very few managers that are really like, oh yeah, definitely necessary. Paul Heyman is a a difference maker, a game changer, and for me, manager of the year. Uh, best bell to bell was Brian Danielson. Uh, this is, well, Daniel Bryan and Brian Danielson, I put as a tie. The Daniel Bryan matches in the beginning of the year, especially his one-on-one -on -one match with Roman Reigns, his WrestleMania triple threat match were awesome. And he made those matches better. And I, I'm a sucker for a Brian Danielson match. Stuff that he has done since coming, to AEW, sorry, it was an unfortunate time for my, my voice to pause there. Um, him coming to AEW 
every time I've seen him in the ring, he has been motivated. He's been creative. He's been interesting. His dark order matches, even though these were designed as squashes, were still incredibly watchable. Uh, his match with Paige, while I didn't heap the praise on it as everyone else, because I saw where it was good, but not great, um, was still better than 90% of what was being thrown out there by the, the larger companies throughout the year. I, I think he's doing something really special during this run. I think he is very much an artist painting on a canvas and it's really fun to see what he, uh, what he puts together. Uh, Female wrestler of the year. I, I went back and forth on this a couple of times, but I think I had to give it to Britt Baker and, and it's kind of a, it's a backhanded award. It's a backhanded compliment because it feels like the only thing Tony Khan cares about in the women's division is Britt Baker. If it's a storyline involving her, it, it gets TV time. It gets promo time. It makes sense. If it doesn't involve her, it just kind of gets marginalized. It's like Serena Deeb and, and Sheeta's feud was just kind of there pushed to the side. Uh, Ruby Soho's debut, she, she hasn't really been given an opportunity to truly shine unless you're working with Britt. I think the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa stuff was obviously excellent. Uh, they, they tried to elevate Ty Conti to put her in there with Britt. Britt delivers great promos. She, she's a great wrestler and she feels like, and I'm going to put this as delicately as possible. She feels like a major superstar not a major women's division superstar. And, and I think that you understand that when you see some WWE programming that Charlotte is a top tier superstar. Becky is a top tier superstar. Sasha Banks is a top tier superstar, regardless of gender. It's something WWE did really well over the last few years is condition their audience. AEW has not really done that as much. You, you don't view... The, the, the superstars they have in the women's division, the wrestlers that they have as being equal to the men across the board in terms of how they're presented with the exception of Britt Baker. If Britt Baker is main eventing a dynamite, it feels earned. It feels like it makes sense in a way that a lot of the other women that they have, it doesn't. So it's why I'm giving it to Britt. I think she's doing a masterful job of trying to carry that division. And for the AEW women's division, which has been so often maligned, um, it's great to see her shine. Worst booked of the year. I had a tie. I was going to go carrying cross. I know we all brought him up for the, for the gear. Um, to me, it's really Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre in 2020 carried the WWE through this Thunderdome COVID era, and he was going to be positioned as the man. And since the way he was booked at WrestleMania, where he got distracted by MVP and lost to Lashley, uh, he had previously lost his title to The Miz. He failed at ever being able to reclaim that title. They then pushed him to SmackDown and gave him this ridiculous sword. Uh, this guy went from, I can see him being the face of the company, to I can see this guy main eventing an 8.30 match on SmackDown. And it's really unfortunate because he's so incredibly talented. He's so incredibly gifted. He's someone that you absolutely can build a company around if the WWE would just let him talk 
the way he talks. When, when he speaks, when he shows his personality, it's engaging, it's exciting, it's fun. When he's not allowed to talk and he's doing the William Wallace stuff or he's bringing up obscure history facts or he's talking about the magic of the sword, which is named after his mom who passed away, which feels like that thing from Suicide Squad. It's, it's a lot of nonsense. It doesn't make sense. And it puts a barrier between Drew and the audience that doesn't need to be there because he is so personable. Uh, worst book guy of the year. Male wrestler of the year. Are you going to be surprised that I'm picking Roman Reigns? Uh, I get the argument for Omega. I get the argument for Danielson. I get the argument for insert New Japan guy that, that Scott may have picked uh, who may have been worthy of it, you know, or an Osprey or something that I haven't seen enough of to justify. Roman Reigns ran the table in 2021, and every feud, every storyline, every match that he was in was logical. It made sense. It elevated the people he was with. Starting the year at the Royal Rumble, working with Kevin Owens and getting Kevin Owens back to uh, a main event level, uh, working with Edge and then retiring Daniel Bryan from WWE and getting the one-on-one -on -one Edge match after that was really great. Uh, the stuff with Cesaro, which I know was just kind of filler, it still worked. It was still really entertaining. Um, his feud with Cena. I enjoyed the feud with Cena. Was I bowled over by their SummerSlam match? I just said I wasn't. So you know it, but it was still it was still an interesting spectacle. There's still a spectacle feel to Roman. His Brock Lesnar match uh, was was very physical, very entertaining. The guy can work with pretty much everybody. Uh, he worked with Finn, and outside of the stupid turnbuckle breaking, it was uh, it was a really fun match. His promos have have gravitas. They have menace to them. There feels like something is happening. You're moving a storyline forward. I love that part of it. Uh, I, I think that this was a guy who most fans cut bait on a long time ago. He was the the baby face nobody wanted, shoved down everyone's throats. They booed everything he did. They hated his promos. They hated his matches. They hated seeing him. And now he is the single hottest property in WWE. He's the single most valuable property in WWE. And it has been consistent across 12 months. I've had some spotty moments with Kenny Omega, a lot of promo stuff that I was not a fan of. There was some goofiness with him that that took me out of the, uh, the Kenny Omega realm. Uh, so... Given that, I have to go male wrestler of the year, Roman Reigns. Uh, lastly, match of the year. I, I'm going to be shocked if everybody didn't pick this. I went with Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson uh, at Arthur Ashe Stadium. It was the most fun wrestling match to watch. It felt like the, the crowd at ECW One Night Stand when they were rabid for every single moment of that uh, – John Cena, Rob Van Dam match where the audience was just coming unglued over everything. This crowd for Omega and Danielson cheered for everything and they didn't cheer for it in a, in a smart marky kind of way. They cheered for it as a pure wrestling fan watching a wrestling show. And it's kind of a, a renewal of what it is to be a fan. And it felt like the the sister to the CM Punk return moment, because these were two instances where a wrestling crowd got a wrestling moment that they wanted and it delivered without it feeling forced. And you didn't get 
pinfall. You didn't get a submission. You got the the double count out or the, the time limit draw. And that audience was spent. I know Scott was there. I know Dan was there in person. And they had one feeling of it in person and one feeling of it when they watched it back later. Uh, Mike and I both enjoyed it. It was a truly special moment. It was a fantastic match. To me, it blew everything else out of the water for the year. It was a couple of the matches that were really good, but didn't get the emotional stakes. And it was the first time I really felt AEW harnessing the emotional stakes in the way that WWE has always been successful with. And if AEW can do that more and more uh, and spotlight guys the right way, they're, they're going to do really, really well. And, and that's the encouraging takeaway uh, from me for, for, you know, year end 2021 roasty putting a bow on this. Um, I'm, often critical of AEW because I see that they have the ability to put it all together and make an overall successful product. I think that both companies can coexist, both companies can thrive, and wrestling can continue to be better and better. But what we saw throughout 2021 was a lot of really good stuff, a lot of really good building blocks, a lot of really incredible moments, and a real opportunity for the industry to get white, white hot again. Uh, I'm not sure how Zach is putting this all together for you guys. So I'm just going to do my, my little plugs and, and whatnot right now. Um, I wish everybody a very happy and healthy new year. Uh, thank you so much for supporting Russell Rose. I'm sure all the other guys said this as well. This has been a blast switching over from total F and marks to Russell Rose. I'm excited for what we're going to do in 2022. We've got a lot of interesting things mapped out. Uh, this is as quickly as become the highlight of my week getting to record this show, uh, getting to do the Patreon episodes uh, for the uh, for the Patreon group, for the uh, Something to Sports Entertainment with Tier, getting to record and break down Raw, break down NXT, break down all sorts of other stuff there with, with Dan. Uh, it's been fantastic interacting with everybody, whether it's on Twitter, on the Facebook group, when someone buys a shirt, we get on the phone and we talk to you guys. Uh, the Forbidden Dorks are the best fans in all of pro wrestling and sports entertainment. We're so thankful for you guys. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. I actually just celebrated my 11-year anniversary of running that Twitter account, and somehow my marriage has survived. So stranger things have happened. Uh, if you're not on the Facebook group, join the Facebook group, buy the shirts, do whatever other plugs Dan uh, and the rest of the guys had. And uh, in case Zach forgot to tell you, uh, wash your goddamn hands. Happy New Year. <laughs>